Hi, everybody. This is Wayne Larrabee, and welcome back to the Play-by-Play podcast. It has been a while since we last visited in this forum, so let's get started. On the show today, we preview the NFL season overall with Pro Football Weekly's Hub Arkish. Take a deep dive into the matchups of this opener between the Saints and Packers with the play-by-play voice of the Saints, Mike Haas. And I'll have a back-page commentary piece on The Last Dance. Well, let's start. Opening week NFL. You know, from pro football focus to all the analytics sites, for months we've been talking about the NFL, the teams, their strengths and weaknesses, evaluating every position, and then predicting what our research and numbers tell us. We've debated on talk radio. All of this discussion, all of this analysis is about paper. It's how these teams look on paper. And of course, as the old cliche goes, the game's not played on paper. Much of what we think of this time of year has to do with what happened last year. But really, think about it. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be as good as he was a year ago? Will Derrick Henry lead the universe in rushing yards? Can Dalvin Cook actually stay healthy for a full season? Do all 22 starters who return for the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers perform as they did down the stretch and in the playoffs when they try to run it back this season? Well, starting this week... You can burn all of that paper. The best laid plans of NFL front offices, the careful planning of the coaching staffs, and the preparation of their players takes a back seat to the intangibles of life and the game. Things none of these people can control. The bounce of the ball at a critical time, the performance level of flesh and blood, and most crucial, intangible, the one that keeps everyone up in the NFL at night? Injuries. This intangible can derail all of the planning, preparation, and scheming by some of the most gifted minds of the game. I just hearken back to San Francisco exactly a year ago. They were the odds-on favorite to repeat as NFC champions and go on and win the Super Bowl. They were the best team in football. By the end of the first month of the season, the first month of the season, they were unrecognizable because they had so many injuries, they weren't the team anyone thought they would be. So I guess in this day and age, you don't burn paper, you shred it. Starting this week, everything you expected and hoped for, your NFL team could change. Maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. But for sure, you will see things happen you didn't count on. That's what makes this game must-see TV. That's why you can't look away from this reality show called the NFL. We welcome in our friend and the publisher and editor of Pro Football Weekly, Hub Arkish. He is a regular on the pregame show on the Packers Radio Network, and there's no one better to take an overview of the NFL uh, than Hub. Hub, uh, this always reminds me of that show, Pro Football Weekly, on the radio we did nationally for like 25 years. It's always a thrill to have you on. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, Wayne, I, I do miss that show. I will tell you that, <laughs> but always great to talk to you. And, uh, of course, anytime we get to visit. Yeah, absolutely. Let's start with an overview of the NFL and just hit some bullet points on some of these divisions. We'll begin in the NFC South because that's where the world champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers reside. Hub, they're trying to run it back like no team has ever done it in the modern era, the salary cap and and free agency. All 22 starters are back. What do you make of this team? 
Well, I, I, I mean, obviously they're a good football team. They're the defending champions. They got on a roll, you know, the last really eight, nine weeks of the season last year, Wayne. But historically, we know this doesn't work. You know, you're trying to, to you know, recapture that magic in a bottle. And uh, in, in the past, it has not worked out so well, especially when your quarterback's going to turn 44, when, when two of your best defensive players, three of your des- best defensive players are now pushing their mid-30s. Um, so love the team, not going to poke any holes in it. But when you talk about literally everybody back, it's not even just the 22 starters. I can't even find key depth that they let move on. Um, and they've stretched themselves to the salary cap to, to do it. So now we just got to see if they can, you know, not lose a step in terms of rhythm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the other team in the division that's kind of interesting are the Saints. They came through salary cap hell, and they have another year of it coming up this year. But, um, you know, they're a vastly different ball club. 49 wins, Hub, and four straight division titles over the last four years. Only one NFC championship game appearance, no Super Bowls. They danced for the final time with Drew Brees last year. Jameis Winston takes over. What do you make of the uh, Saints who have 10 new starters going into this year? Yeah, Wayne, I mean, Trey Hendrickson, Emmanuel Sanders, Janoris Jenkins, Jarrett Cook, Malcolm Brown, Sheldon Rankins, who am I forgetting? You know, linebacker <laughs> Luke An- Alex Anzalone, and then, of course, Drew Brees. You can't shed talent like that. You know, I, I don't see how this team is better than a 500 football team, if that, right now. Um, and a lot of it's going to come down to Jameis Winston and, and Taysom Hill. We assume Jameis Winston's going to be the regular quarterback. Uh, but still, they, they've shed so much talent that I think it's probably a one-horse race in the South this year, unless Carolina is better than I expect, because I do think they're going to be a little better than people than people are projecting. And there's always some team in the NFL we're not thinking about or talking about that jumps up and has maybe a playoff run in them. Uh, in the West, the NFC West, uh, one of the top divisions, I think, top to bottom in the game uh, today. What do you see there, and, and is Matthew Stafford going to make the big difference for Sean McVay that every Everybody thinks he will. You know, I, I think he can, Wayne. I think he is that kind of uh, player. He's certainly Pro Bowl level talent at that position. But in 10 years in Detroit, never won, you know. And, and so how much of that is on him and how much of that is on the Lions for the team they gave him? We're going to find out because certainly with Sean McVay, uh, he's going to get that chance and have pretty much everything he needs. Uh, I think Seattle may still be the best team in the division because of the few special players they've got in terms of Russell Wilson, D.K. Metcalf, Jamal Adams, uh, you know, and, and you've got uh, obviously the, that, that speed on defense that they always play so well with. And then San Francisco could be the most talented team in the division if they're healthy. The, the spate of injuries they had last year was like nothing we've ever seen. And they, they had a few defections on defense, but they get Bosa back. Uh, you know, they get all their studs back. And even Arizona, I, I mean, you'd show me a team that went out in the offseason and added players like A.J. Green, J.J. Watt, Malcolm Butler, Rodney Hudson. Uh, Sean Williams is going to be an upgraded safety for them. Uh, I don't think that they're in the class with the other three, but, but man, they, they, they've certainly added some star power to go with Kyler Murray. Yeah, it's a tough division top to bottom, no doubt about it. NFC East was the weakest division a year ago. Might it be the same this year? I don't know. Dak Prescott is back behind center for the Cowboys. How big a difference does that make? 
You know, Wayne, it, it makes a huge difference. And, and Dak Prescott is a very good football player. But he is not an elite quarterback. Uh, the one thing that will be the same is the Cowboys will be the most overrated team in football again this year. <laughs> you know, look at the depth chart. I mean, look at the defense. I, I don't know who they're going to stop and how they're going to do it. Uh, offensively, yeah, they are, they're loaded at the skill positions. But that offensive line is not what we just accept as the best in the NFL anymore. So a uh, lot of holes on that football team. This is easily the weakest division uh, in the NFL. I don't see Philadelphia. I think is rebuilding, even though you know they want to sell that they're going to contend right now. The Giants, you know, prove it. Can Saquon Barkley come back from the ACL? The team that intrigues me is Washington. They got those four first-round picks on the defensive line, sub 500. They won the division last year, and they've easily got the best coach in the division. And now they got Fitz Magic. So I, I think it'll be the weakest division again. But but you got to look at Washington. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and our guy uh, Ron Rivera, the head coach, and you and I have known him for a long, long time. Uh, uh, he is a special individual, special person. NFC North, there's the Packers. You've got the Vikings retooling their defense, the Bears with a, um, their quarterback situation and the rebuilding Lions. Hub, you know, the Bears. Um, Justin Fields, give me your impression. You've watched him this summer, both at camp and in the preseason games. Is he the answer? Do you know yet? Well, we don't know yet. My projection and prediction is that he is going to be very, very good, maybe even special. You don't see kids uh, like this come along very often. And, and Wayne, when I see the package, when I see the combination uh, of arm talent and, and athleticism, the guy he reminds me of is Brett Favre. And when I rate NFL quarterbacks greatest of all time, you know, there's all the guys that are in the conversation on one hand, the Bradings, the Mannings. Uh, you know, you can go to Unitas, you can go wherever you want to go. But the two guys I always keep in a category of their own who are in the conversation are Brett Favre and Patrick Mahomes because I've never seen the combination of arm talent and athleticism that those two have. This kid may have it, and he mm. seems to carry himself the same way, too. I mean, he, he doesn't seem like he's phased by much. But the answer to your question is no, he did not claim the position during training camp. He, he also did a lot of things that rookies do. And if you were at practice every day and studied those tapes, Andy Dalton was the better quarterback for these six weeks. There's no question Fields is the future. Um, but you got a Bears team that, that's been to the playoffs two of the last three years, albeit not a serious contender. They think they can contend again, and they want to win games and their best chance to do that early with an aging defense is probably with the veteran game manager in Dalton and that's why he's starting but I do think that NFC North fans best beware because Fields could be the next big thing in this division over the next 8, 10, 12 years. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. AFC Buffalo has a bandwagon in the East. Are the Patriots still a factor in that division and what about the Dolphins? You know, Bill Belichick spends $163 million in free agency. If that's not the strangest headline we've seen in the last <laughs> three or four decades, and yet that's what they've done. And, and I never count the goat out because there's no question. You can debate the quarterbacks, but Bill Belichick's the greatest coach in the history Absolutely. of the game. You look at the rings and the wins uh, and the way he's done it. But there, there's one maybe last act in the legacy is, is can he find another great quarterback? I, I'm not sold on Mac Jones yet, but the difference between what happened in Chicago is Cam Newton's just not a very good quarterback. And, and Jones did outplay him, and that's why Belichick is saying I might as well go with him. It's more about all that other talent that they brought back. I think they're going to have some real 
bite on defense, don't know about the offense. I think Buffalo, Wayne, is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. There's, they're still somewhat of a no-name club when you look for the star power. You know, I point out with certain teams the star power they've added. Buffalo doesn't have as much, but they may have the next big thing at quarterback and Josh Allen. Sean McDermott does a hell of a job with them. Uh, I'm not as convinced that the Dolphins are for real, and, and the Jets obviously are you know, in step one of their rebuilding plan. In the north, uh, Cleveland, another trendy pick uh, this year. Baltimore, um, changes on defense, injuries in the offensive backfield. Steelers making one more run with Big Ben. Uh, what do you make of all this in that division? Well, you know, we're talking about all three as playoff teams last year. Um, I, I think that Cleveland is a legit playoff contender, but I still worry a lot about that defense. Wayne, remember they race out and hang 47 on the Steelers in that big upset in the playoffs, but then have to hold on as the Steelers are racking up 39 or whatever it was. Um, they, they've tried to address it. I don't think Jadavian Clowney is the answer. Uh, so it's all about if the defense can get a little stouter. They've certainly got the offense with Baltimore. I think that they'll probably be in the playoffs and probably lose round one or round two because they don't build a complete team. They, they are focused on what they can do with Lamar Jackson and yes he's a special player but he just doesn't throw the ball well enough to win playoff games so now you come to Big Ben I don't think there's enough left around him is the problem they completely rebuilt that offensive line he's 39 years old he's supposedly in the shape of his life they lost Bud Dupree to Tennessee um, so I, if I have to rank him I'd stack him uh, probably Baltimore and Cleveland even with Pittsburgh maybe not even getting back to the playoffs mm. this year. Interesting. Hub Arkish of Pro Football Weekly, our guest on the Play-By-Play podcast. In the South, Tennessee and Indy, is it a two-horse race there? Yeah, it is. I mean, Jacksonville obviously is, uh, you know, the ultimate rebuild with the first overall pick. And, you know, Urban Meyer is, is somebody that people like to project, but but he doesn't have the talent. We don't know if he's going to be a great NFL coach. Houston's a disaster area right now. So you look at the Colts and, and the Titans, and here the Colts come out of training camp broken feet for their quarterback, uh, you know, Carson Wentz and their all-pro guard, Quentin Nelson. But we hear both are supposed to be able to go Sunday. So if they are close to 100% and can get to 100% early, they're a complete football team. The young defense, a little unknown, like I said about a couple other teams, but very, very good. Uh, And Jonathan Taylor, who, you know, I'm sure that uh, Badgerland fans know very well, was the breakout rookie star on offense last year. But I look at Tennessee, Wayne, and, and they won the division. They won the tiebreaker over the Colts. And then you add Julio Jones and Bud Dupree. Um, <laughs> that, that, that team is going to be scary. This gets back to the star power again. So now you're talking about you know Julio Jones and Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown on one side of the ball. Uh, and then on the other side, you know, you've got the money they've spent in free agency and plug in Bud Dupree. I think the Titans are, are a legitimate Super Bowl contender and probably win this division. Wow. In the West, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City. Uh, the Chargers uh, loaded up in the offseason and built some uh, on their offensive line around the young quarterback. Broncos are probably a franchise quarterback away from big things. And uh, where are the Gruden Raiders, uh, Hub? I mean, I just they kind of are treading water, it looks like. You know, Wayne, I, I feel bad about that organization because Mike Mayock is a good friend and he's a really good scout and analyst and he's a sharp guy. 
but I don't think he has any teeth in his job with, with Gruden there. You yeah. know, and, and they've made these strange draft picks. What they did to that offensive line made no sense. Um, and, and so I, I don't get what they're doing there. They may hang around 500 again, but they're not going to contend. I think people are, are – Denver does have some really nice pieces, but that offensive line has yet to prove anything. And as you point out, quarterback remains a question mark, although Teddy Bridgewater will settle it down and, and do some game managing for them. Uh, and they've certainly got some horses on defense. It's a big year for Vic Fangio, they may be the most likely to challenge in this division along with the Chiefs. Uh, the Chargers, you know, once they get healthy off some of the injuries last year, maybe, but let's not forget they were just a five or six win team. Now, they lost a lot of close games. Justin Herbert's got to prove there's no sophomore jinx. But, Wayne, who are we kidding? This is about the Chiefs, you yeah. know. And, and and big question with the Chiefs, that offensive line. Now, they added, you know, some, some multi-million dollar talent, uh, but they basically rebuilt the whole thing on the fly and is that defense stout enough up the middle because it wasn't in crunch time in the Super Bowl last year and and, and I don't know where they're improved there either but they certainly are, are the class of the AFC West. All right really quick hub to kind of wrap this up um, who do you see emerging from the AFC and the NFC and and which is the stronger uh, conference going into this season as you see it? Well, I think the three best teams in the AFC are clearly Kansas City, Tennessee, and Buffalo. There's some other teams that are strong playoff teams, but I think those are the three most loaded rosters, if you will. And I just I don't I, I don't like chalk. It really works for me. I'm not going to go with the easy favorite in Kansas City. Um, I, I got a gut feeling about Tennessee. I, I like Mike Vrabel as a coach. Now they got to stay healthy. This is the only team that's now had a, a COVID outbreak this year. It wasn't an outbreak, but they had uh, what nine players and I think five staff members on members on the COVID list by the second week of the preseason. But if they stay healthy, I, I think it's probably Tennessee. I do think New England will be back in the playoffs. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the better quarterbacks right now, there's more of them in the AFC, so they may be stronger than the NFC. But once you get past that position, I think there's more stacked rosters in the NFC. NFC is tougher for me, Wayne. I, I, you know, I, I think that the 49ers are going to look more like two years ago than last year. Uh, I think the Seahawks and the Rams also could have a shot at winning that division and therefore you know, doing damage in the playoffs. It's the Packers in the NFC North as long as Aaron Rodgers is there, but I can't predict them advancing even to the title game this year, not knowing no Corey Lindsley all year. I know they like Elton Jenkins, but now six weeks without David Bakhtiari, you don't want to get too far behind. But they're they're still the class of the NFC North. Uh, Got to be the Bucks uh, in, in the South, and then uh, I'm guessing Washington. So now I look at those three AFC West teams and uh, say which one is going to knock off the Bucks and get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be interesting to see. Hub Arkish, always uh, great to have you on. Uh, look forward to your segment every week with Dennis Krause, James. Jones and the gang on the Packers Radio Network pregame show. Good luck, and we'll talk soon. All right, Wayne. Take care. We welcome in the new play-by-play voice of the New Orleans Saints, Mike Haas. And Mike, first and foremost, um, number one, your ascension to that lead role. Uh, Zach Streif was uh, broadcasting the games a year ago. He's now a member of the organization of the coaching staff, I believe. Talk a little bit about that, and and how's the experience been for you? Well, it's been different, certainly, uh, given the last few weeks. And so I worked uh, in local television for 30 years behind uh, Jim Henderson. He was the right. sports director and the longtime voice of the Saints. So I, I watched him and you know worked with him doing this job 
for all those years. And then when he retired in 2017, I was up for the position with Zach. And then when Zach, you know, got involved, certainly he was he was the right call. Uh, and, and so, you know, I figured that was it. You know, I mean, you kind of get it's rare to ever have two bites at this apple. And I was fortunate to get one. And so when Zach went back or went to coaching, first off, I was stunned. And then so to have another bite of the apple, uh, because I'd kind of worked with Deuce, you know, when I tried out, you know, in 2018. So it was just kind of the right time, the right fit. It's not your typical path to be in broadcasting 35 years to get this shot. So uh, I'm humbled and honored and don't, don't want to make the most of it, but it's been a cra- you know, pretty normal first couple of games, right? <laughs> yeah. More, and then we're home for a game uh, against Jacksonville, and since then, chaos. chaos I, haven't, yeah. I haven't laid eyes. I'm trying to think. I have not laid eyes on this football team except for one, one walkthrough since the Jacksonville game on August 23rd. Mm-hmm. I've not seen the team. Mike, take so us. That's difficult. Yeah, Mike Haas is our guest, the play-by-play voice of the New Orleans Saints. Take us through that. Um, the team left town with Hurricane Ida bearing down on uh, the Gulf Coast. The team leaves. They cancel the last preseason game, and the team heads up to Dallas. Who went with them? I mean, obviously you did not, right? You stayed back? Right, stayed back. And so we are... I don't know how every team does it. I'm an employee of the radio station that does the games, right? And so that – but I also work for the Superdome. I'm a communications coordinator here in the Superdome. I'm in the Superdome right now. So I've, you know, kind of two jobs. So that day was chaos, right? We're we're preparing – I'm preparing for the game with Arizona on Friday, and we're also kind of, you know, preparing for the game here as a Superdome but also for the radio job. So they move it from 7 o'clock to noon, which is a big deal, you know, for Saturday. And then we go through this entire day, and finally at 5 o'clock, you know, the storm was not looking great. And it's like, so they cancel the game, and then the Saints, all during this day, the 27th, Friday, they are working, you know, with all these officials to try to figure out the Arizona situation, while on another, in another office, they are trying to coordinate two airplanes 26 buses to commandeer to move not just the organization, not just the players, but all of their families and extended families on buses and planes to Dallas, where wow. they would live for a week. I'm, I'm, I'm in my head, my head, you know, imploded when I was talking like, how in the world, like, you know, trying to commandeer two planes while a hurricane is bearing down on you. I mean, it was just, I mean, so that's when they went to Dallas worked there for a week prior to really kind of settling in at TCU. So, yeah, that – and so the first week, you know, we, we, we've all – and I'm living in Mississippi. I'm not, you know, I'm not even back to my house yet. Wow. So it's not – and so it's, it's, it's so weird. They're in a normal kind of practice schedule now at TCU. But, and, again, I don't know how the Packers do it, but the Saints, you, you basically get to see the first 15, 25 minutes, especially stretching. You're, all, you're kind of counting players. Sure. You don't really see practice. And so it's not like I'm missing a ton, but it's just weird that it's been, you know, I'm getting ready to call the game Sunday, and I, I haven't really seen this team a whole lot lately. Yeah. I, I, what about um, the New Orleans area? What can you tell us about what's going on down south now? Um, we understand some people are getting power back, um, you know, as and again, we're talking, we're taping this podcast, folks, on Thursday uh, prior to the season opener. What's it been like down there? And and your place of business, the uh, Superdome, um, What are, are, did it incur much damage? 
damage? Will it be ready to go in a week or two? Or what do you think? Superdome's fine. Superdome did not incur a great deal of damage, some minor damage. Uh, and because of where the Superdome is in location to two hospitals and a lot of the hotels that were housing evacuees and or first responders, we just happened to be on a grid that came back with power mm. sooner. Orleans Parish, New Orleans, is actually in a better situation than if you look west of the city, Jefferson Parish, and different you know areas that got hit much harder. So Orleans Parish is kind of coming back faster in some ways, but it's still you know maybe fifty percent. Mm. You know, some people have power, and like we have power at our house now, but we we won't in two hours. It kind of comes back sporadically, uh. but there's no. There's no internet. There's no gasoline. There's no. It's not like you know. So what's the point? Just because you have power, you can't get back and live. Sure. So it's it's been. It was a. Let me tell you. I was I was a news anchor here for 30 years. So in sports. So I was here for Katrina, and I've, you know, stood in both of them. And this storm, from a storm standpoint, it, way worse. Than wow. Katrina. Katrina was a flooding issue. It was a levee issue. I'm just talking wind for nine hours bearing down on it i've just never seen anything like it so it's it's going to be a very long recovery Mm. from 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 that standpoint power water internet yeah absolutely mike haas our guest on the play-by-play podcast he's the new voice of the uh, new orleans saints mike uh, our prayers are with you and everyone else involved down there it's just amazing uh, what that storm did. Um, let's talk a little bit about the game. How about that? Can we? <laughs> yeah, it feels. Uh, it feels like I've got one thing I really haven't done. Yeah, spent a lot of time doing that. Yeah, let's talk about the. There's a game that's going to be played. First off, tell me why Jacksonville. All right, so let me give you the conspiracy uh, conspiracy theories. Okay, the the Saints picked Jacksonville because it's going to be hot and humid, and the Packers. By the way, it's been uh, low humidity up here. Very cool, nice. Uh, to practice in so it's not gonna be anything like that in jacksonville furthermore aaron Rodgers is from what i understand i'm not sure these figures are accurate three and four with a 78.1 passer rating in jacksonville oh and the other thing is airline tickets from green bay to jacksonville are very expensive so there won't be many packers fans following the team down there uh any of those theories true uh the, <laughs> i will say this i, I, I don't you know I've talked. I've talked to Mickey Loomis, the general manager. So I will say that the airline aspect is true. It's not true, but it's 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 accurate. Meaning it's also <laughs> impossible for us. I don't know if that for whatever reason we're we're, we're eight hours west of Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and getting there by plane is a nightmare for us. And so I know it's not that easy for you know Green Bay to come down. It's not easy for us to get over there. So that aspect, I, I don't. The Saints did not have a lot of choices. Yeah, there's only it has to be an NFL radio stadium. It has to be an NFL stadium. You can't go to a college stadium, so it's got to be an NFL stadium. AT and T had a concert. Atlanta had a game. Indy had a game. Detroit had a game. Some of these places where you would typically look at playing. I mean, we're not going to Minnesota. You know, we're not. It's not going to become a Green Bay home game, and so we didn't. Want to, Miami is too much distraction. We're not going to play in Tampa. Same reason wouldn't want to play in Atlanta because you know you don't want to, you don't want people come out to hate the Saints. You know, so Jacksonville just kind of yeah fell on their lap. I mean, Sean Payton said we had some choices, but it wasn't like it was Baskin Robbins. We yeah. didn't have you know <laughs> pick of the litter here. You didn't and have so thirty-one flavors, that. no. <laughs> right, that's right. So I, I don't, you know, I think you know I'm, I don't believe a lot of the conspiracy stuff. It was I think this was kind of the best fit given 
what they had, and it wasn't a lot because a lot of it to Houston and then just a lot of the games that were, would be possible were at games. Mike Haas, uh, the play-by-play voice of the New Orleans Saints, is with us on the play-by-play. Packers and Saints this weekend in Jacksonville. Mike, you were on the sidelines, and, and you've observed the Saints. Uh, this has been a wildly successful football team. Four straight division titles, 49 regular season wins, a bit snake bit in the uh, playoffs, only one NFC uh, championship game performance uh, or appearance uh, over the course of those four years, and then the worst a non-call in the history of the NFL cost the Saints a Super Bowl, in my opinion. Um, where is this team now? They came through salary cap hell, 10 new starters, including a new quarterback. Um, what do you see in this team? I see strengths and question marks, right? Where they're strong, offensive line, running back, uh, you know, linebacker, defensive, and where they're strong, they're, they're, they're strong, and they should be just as good as they were last year. Where there are question marks, they're significant, right? I mean, every every stat that you mentioned was Drew Brees. That you know what I mean. So it's like forget all that. So that's he's gone. So it's like you start anew with Jameis Winston. And what this team lacks, I think, what they you know what, what we went through in training camp and watching was who are the playmakers? Went into camp yeah. looking for who's going to be the guy opposite Mike Thomas, right? Who's gonna, we're going to find that guy. Well, guess what? Mike Thomas is now not available until week six, week seven. So now you've got to find two people <laughs> two, who are, who are going to be your, 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 your big wideouts. Needed a second, a, a second cover corner opposite Marshawn Lattimore. Now they got Roby, but he's not, he's not going to be ready. Certainly game one, he's out anyway. So they're just, I mean, they're, it, there are so many question marks, but I think, and, you know, that Sean Payton loves it. We, I, we really, as you know, even though I've been on the side, this is a this is a completely different team. I don't know if it's going to be the same kind of offense. It should be, but now you've got with a with a new quarterback who's got some mobility. You know, I think that Sean sees this as an opportunity. He can run his offense, but with some new twists. I mean, for the first time since he arrived in 06, teams don't go into the season with mountains of tape on what this team does. We all knew what the Saints would do. The Packers knew what the Saints were going to do last year when they played them here. They knew what they were going to do. The Saints are still pretty good at it, but you knew what they were going to do. And as we stand here today, I don't have a clue yeah. about what this offense is going to be like. You can watch them in practice, and you can watch preseason games. That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, right? I, I agree so wholeheartedly. I, I think, and I think Sean loves that. that. For the first time, we don't know what they're going to be like. And for the first time, the other 31 teams don't really know what this team's going to be like, yeah. how they're going to attack Mike, I can't agree with you more. Um, the th- two things that I saw in the tapes I've watched, again, preseason games, and you're exactly right. Pre- what does preseason really mean? But um, Jameis Winston will provide a downfield dimension to that passing game. And at least right now, Marquez Callaway, uh, to me, in the two games I saw, he looks uh, like he's a player ready to emerge. Again, doesn't have all the trappings, doesn't have the royalty behind him. who wasn't a first-round draft choice and all that other stuff. 
But that kid is emerging, and he's got, he's a nice-looking player. Obviously, we didn't see Alvin Kamara during the preseason. Obviously, he destroyed the Packers last year um, uh, in terms of performances, receipt, caught, catching the football. Had almost 200 yards of offense and two touchdowns in that game last year. But um, aside from that, to me, it's a much different team, much different defense in many respects. Um, but you're right, we don't know. And I, I will say this, Mike, this is my opinion. There are two great offensive head coaches in this league, and neither one of them is Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. The two supreme, in my opinion, offensive coaches in this league, Andy Reid in Kansas City and Sean Payton down in New Orleans. Yeah, I agree. That's what I think is the benefit for Jameis. I mean, so I mean, well, we all remember his first, you know, five in, in Tampa, and it was, you know, I, he had this image of this who this person was, and he's been the exact opposite. And I think that year, last year, yeah, when he spent he he spent a year in that quarterback room with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, he lost weight. He is the most humble, generous, caring. I was like, I was so wrong about at least who I thought the person was. And so the difference to me is when he was in Tampa, it was like, all right, go out there, throw 50 passes, and win the game. It's on you. We are going to win or lose. If you throw 33 touchdowns and 30 interceptions, it's on you. Yep. And now he gets to come here and go, whoa, 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 it's a system. Relax. Just go out there and don't – it's not on you. Just do the system. You know, short passes, you know, it's almost impossible for him to have – you know, a ton of interceptions with this system, assuming it's this system. Yeah. I mean, look at Teddy, look, last year when Drew got hurt, or 2019 when Drew got hurt, he was out for five games, and, and, and Teddy Bridgewater came in. He didn't do anything spectacular. He just ran the system. Yeah. They won five, you know, five straight games. He gets a new contract. Last year, same thing. Drew goes out, just run the offense. They won four, three or four with Taysom at quarterback. It just, it's the, it's the system. Yeah. And so... I think, you know, assuming that it's kind of the same system, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a, t- a tough offense to defend with Jameis and his movability. And then you throw Taysom back into the action, who's now a better quarterback. That's the to me is the, the flip of this. Last year when Taysom came into the game, it was third and four. He was he ran it eighty twenty, and then he went out of the game. Now when he comes into the game, he could stay. Suffer. He's a quarterback now. He's not. He can stay in the game and run a few series. Now you've got to defend both of them because they're entirely different. Yeah, and just yeah. the mobility in the pocket that both of them have that Drew never really, you know, hasn't didn't have in the last four or five years makes the linebackers have to stay in coverage. Yeah. You know, makes them have to decide: Am I going to go up or am I going to stay back? They've been staying back for the last five years. Now they got to make a decision. And, and, you know, the start of the NFL season, you never know what you have. I don't care how, what you did last year or the previous four years. None of these teams, the Packers, have been to the last two NFC Championship games. We go into the season, nobody really knows what they have, Mike. And and that's, I guess, the intrigue of the NFL and what it's all about. Mike Haas, thanks so much for taking time out. Um, our prayers are with you and your family and, and all the people uh, who have been uh, affected down in the uh, Gulf Coast uh, uh, with Hurricane Ida, and, and we wish you nothing but the best. And look forward to seeing you, by the way, in Jacksonville on Sunday. Uh, me too. I will look forward to seeing you, and thanks for all of your, your thoughts and support. We're, you know, we've been through it before, but we'll get through this again, and hopefully it'll be a good, good game on Sunday, and looking forward to it. Thanks, Mike. All right. Thank you. And now the back page. According to Jason Fitzgerald of the website Over the Cap, a site that is widely considered the leading authority on contract matters in the NFL, 
The Packers have a 2021 roster value, just over $229 million for this year. That ranks seventh in roster value in the NFL. Now, what is roster value? Because you're, you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, the salary cap's only $188 million. Roster value is the money you're paying this year. If you had to pay a veteran for a new contract or a restructured contract, bonus money, all that bonus money is counted in this year's value. Okay, For cap purposes, that $10 million bonus could be spread over five years, however long the contract is. So let's say you gave a guy a $10 million signing bonus. Um, let's say the contract's five years. Only $2 million of that counts under the cap for this year. But $10 million of that counts in your cap value. So that's what we're talking about. The highest roster value Tampa Bay at $240 million. Yeah, they paid dearly to get all those guys back following the Super Bowl. Buffalo is at just under 240 Cleveland, Dallas, Indianapolis, San Francisco, and Green Bay in the top seven. Of that group, only the Cowboys and Packers have a projected negative cap figure for next year. Dallas at uh, plus 26 over the cap, a projected cap for next year. Green Bay plus 42 million the highest figure over next year's cap in the league right now 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 again these numbers will change players will sign extensions that type of thing numbers will be moved around but that's kind of where they're at see if if you have a high cap value or i should say roster value this year and no room to work next year then you are all in whether you want to be or not so think about it The Packers, over the last several years, have paid top dollar for guys like Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, um, Kenny Clark, um, Aaron Jones is a top six salaried running back and getting paid for it. All those guys up coming, well, nothing bigger than the contract that will be due um, for Devontae Adams and then Jair Alexander. You see, the cap problems the Packers have are unlike most teams. Most teams get into salary cap hell because they spend big in free agency. Well, that's not really been the case for the Packers. Yes, they went into free agency in 2019. They brought on four salaries, four big salaries out of free agency. By the way, all four of those guys are still here. All four of those guys are starting. And you tell me, who had a better free agent haul in the history of free agency in the NFL than Brian Gutekunst had that year? All those guys are still here. They're still pro- uh, productive, and they fit under the cap. But when you draft and develop, and you do it as well as the Packers have done, you're going to come up against the salary cap because you continually develop some of the best players in the league. From Rodgers to Bakhtiari to Aaron Jones and on down the line, Kenny Clark and the rest of them. All right? So the Packers have salary cap issues for next year. It's not unsimilar to what the Saints faced going into this offseason. The Saints were $100 million over the salary cap going into this offseason. So they did a last dance with Drew Brees last year. And then they had to purge the roster. They have 10 new starters going into this year. So while Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers had some fun on social media recently, alluding to the last dance of the 1998 Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Chicago Bulls, in this last dance in Green Bay, Rodgers and Adams won't be alone on the dance floor. In other words, there are a lot of veterans who are be playing their last season in Green Bay. The salary cap dictates as much. Now let me tell you about the last dance. Because I was a wallflower for it. 
Jordan and Pippen, along with coach Phil Jackson, coming off their fifth NBA championship, understood the end was near. The general manager, Jerry Krause, wanted to build a new team. He thought he could build a team bigger and better than the one he had. There was friction between the front office and the star players, between Krause and Phil Jackson. And owner Jerry Reinsdorf had spent five, six, seven, eight years with by far the highest salary in the league, payroll in the league. Now, I had a courtside seat for that drama while covering the team for WGN television. After many ups and downs throughout the regular season and playoffs, both on and off the court, that campaign ended in storybook fashion. Another NBA title, a second three-peat. But throughout the process, there was a certain sadness in the fact that this would be the last dance of Pippen, of Jordan, of Dennis Rodman, of Phil Jackson, the great coaching staff they had. In many ways, you know, and, and I bear with me here, in many ways it was like the 1967 Packers who knew deep down that if they didn't win that historic third consecutive NFL, NFL title that year, that their time was coming to an end. Lombardi was leaving coaching. The core of that team was aging. The playoff run they went on that winter was ultimately their last dance. The drama of the ice bowl, Bart Starr's plunge into the end zone to win it on the coldest day in NFL championship history. They beat the Raiders in Super Bowl II to finish the storybook. Jerry Kramer's instant replay. Now the difference between the 98 Bulls and the 67 Packers? The three-time defending champion Packers got to do what almost every champion gets to do die on their sword in defense of their title on the field of play. The 1968 Packers went 6-7-1, and one, finished third in their division, failed to make the playoffs. The Bulls? They were broken up in 1999 after their sixth title. Their ashes scattered to the proverbial win. But there's something romantic in how the Bulls ended. They just evaporated into history. They never lost their title on the field of battle. The void they left was filled by the San Antonio Spurs and later the Phil Jackson coached L.A. Lakers of Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. The Green Bay and Chicago franchises have never seen, and I dare say never will see, the kind of success those 60s Packers and 90s Bulls teams achieved ever again. Dynasty is defined differently today. So here we are. Rodgers, Adams, and this Packers team we have seen go to back-to-back NFC title games, win 26 regular season games, embarking on a last dance. The Packers have a very good team on paper, good enough to win it all. But as we mentioned earlier in this podcast, the game's not played on paper. For us, for coaches, front office people, especially the players, fans, and observers, focus on this year and the beautiful possibilities it presents. Who cares about next year? Who cares about what the salary cap ramifications are next year? Next year? As my mom used to say, we could all be dead and buried by next year. This year is what we have. It is all we have. So embrace the journey, as A-Rod has said. Don't waste a moment of time or mental energy worrying about next year. Savor the ups and downs, and there will be plenty of both. Savor the uncertainty. We don't know how this story is going to end. Most of all, savor a last dance with a Hall of Fame quarterback who wants that Super Bowl title even more than you do. 
If this indeed is a last dance, the only way everyone leaves the floor happy is draped in Super Bowl glory next February. That's a tall order. Much taller than any of you realize. But that's how the last dance is supposed to end. I know. I saw the original some two decades ago. That'll do it for this week's play-by-play podcast. Special thanks to our producer, Nick Van Wagenen, our guests, the incomparable Hub Arkish of Pro Football Weekly, and Mike Haas, the new voice of the New Orleans Saints. The Packers and Saints from Jacksonville this Sunday. Coverage on the Packers Radio Network begins at 1 p.m. Central Time. For those of you listening on WTMJ Radio in Milwaukee, opening drive kicks off coverage at noon. Remember, we will be with you each week during the NFL season with the play-by-play podcast. I'm Wayne Larravee. Hope it'll be a long run by the Packers this season to an NFL title. We'll see. Have a great weekend, everybody.